Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 8 right down to verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, reading from verse 8. The words will come up on screen for those online. I would encourage you, as we've said often, to get a copy of the Bible and read the portion appointed for yourself. Not only hear it, but see it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, Lie not one to another, saying you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, born nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now this morning, we are continuing with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians. Now my text today is taken from Colossians chapter 3 and in the verse 9, and it reads as follows. Lie not one to another, seeing you've put off the old man with his deeds. And I've entitled this message simply this, How True Christians Should Treat One Another. You see, if you think of these words, and I quote again, lie not one to another, saying you put off the old man with his deeds, you will discover that on a careful reading of the New Testament, there are at least 30 one another verses. If you look with me, example for Colossians 3, 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Verse 16, admonishing one another. You see, there's 30 one another verses in the Bible. And here's one of them. Colossians 3, verse 9. Now, the reference here is in the context of all about living out the, a consistent, consecrated Christian life among the fellowship of God's people. The words one another are a lovely phrase. 
And you've got to think of Christian togetherness. Christians in the context of a church family. Christians in the context of having a a gracious relationship, a gracious interaction and fellowship with one another. Now, if we were to examine each of these 30 one another passages today, which we're not, but we would discover that some of them uh, call for positive action. Uh, There are things that we're to do for one another. We're to love one another. You're familiar with that. We're to pray one for another. Uh, We're we're to forgive one another. We're to forbear with one another. We're to admonish one another, as you can see in the context here. Uh, And in contrast, some of these one another passages are in the form of a negative. In other words, there's things that we're not to do uh, one against another. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, is one of these negatives. You see, after the Apostle Paul has commanded us in light of new life that we have in Christ, that we are to mortify and put to death certain sins. Colossians 3 and 5, and he lists five of them, specimen sins. And then we come to chapter 3, verse 8, and he commands us to put off five other specific sins. You see, the new heart, the new life in Christ, hates these sins also, and he names them. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. We've already preached in there. But remember, this is all in the context of living out the Christian life in the church family and fellowship. The, the new heart hates these sins. The new heart strives to put them off by the grace and help of the Lord. And the fellowship of God's people is the place where we're not only with each other, but we live out a consistent Christian life among each other. And we need to think of one another in all that we say and all that we do. And in relation to one another, here's one of Paul's commands. It's in a negative, I admit that. Lie not one to another. And I was thinking of these words, one another, and wondering how I could develop a message around it. And those three thoughts came to me last Wednesday. First of all, the way true Christians must treat one another. Well, here's a negative. Lie not one to another. You see, this sin, along with these other sins that he's mentioned in verse 8, These specific sins can be committed by true believers in the church. And that's especially true in the area of telling lies. The true Christian, however, is not to be characterized by these sins. Why? Because we have put them off in Christ. And why? We are striving to put them off in Christ. And here's another sin that we're to put off. The sin of lying. Do you know the sin of lying is so prevalent in our society? I read an article in the paper a few days ago. I can't remember which broadsheet it was in England. Um, But the editor of the paper was suggesting that it was good to lie. It was okay. It was a wise thing to tell lies. And they forgot, of course, that the Bible teaches that lying lips is an abomination to the Lord. The reality is, I believe, we all struggle with cis sin. Let let me tell you a wee story. A few boys stand at a corner, 10 to 14 age group. They're around a little dog. The dog's lost. 
the dogs astray, and the minister comes along. Hi, boys. What are you doing? Oh, we're telling lies. And the one who tells the biggest lie gets this dog. Now, the minister said, boys, but I, I'm shocked. I'm saddened, boys. Do you not know that it's wrong to tell lies? Do you not know that you're breaking the ninth commandment? You're, you're bearing false witness. You see, at your age, boys, I never thought of telling a lie. Now, the boys looked at each other. They had a wee laugh. They had a wry smile. And one of the older boys, he shrugged and said, Oh, it's sad, boys, but I think he gets the dog. You see, we all struggle with the truth. Even ministers, missionaries. We all struggle with the absolute truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You see, as born-again believers, we believe in the sanctity of the truth. The truth is so important. The, the Lord Jesus in the high priestly prayer said, Thy word is truth. And we believe in the infallibility and the, and the errancy of the word of God. The Lord Jesus taught, and we're teaching this passage to the children in the Sunday school. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I am the truth. And when we think about another text that has to do with the truth, the Bible exhorts us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 to speak the truth in love. And we would be offended if somebody said, you're a liar. We'd be offended if somebody questioned our truthfulness. And yet the reality is, we all struggle, not only with certain sins, but we all struggle with telling lies. You see, people even lie about their truthfulness. They are lying while they're protesting. They're being truthful. We all struggle to be absolutely and wholly truthful. And therefore we must recognize this as a sin. Because the God of the Bible, the living true God, is a God of absolute truth. Do you know that the God of the Bible cannot lie? Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, hath he said. And shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? This has to do with the immutability of our God. He, he's unchangeable. But let's think about the struggle with telling lies. You see, there, there are big blatant lies, big bold lies that people tell. There's half-truths people tell. It's half the truth. Abraham twice was guilty of telling half-truths. He told it as far as it goes. He, he conveyed a, a, a false impression. Sarah, beautiful woman, Pharaoh's going to take her and he'll kill me. Um, now, tell them you're my sister. Now, that was a half-truth. She, she was. But he didn't tell the other half. She was also his wife. You see, that's what we really call a half-lie. What about the lie of omission? If you go into a shop and you've handed a £10 note over and the, the wee cashier hands you £10 and a lot of other change back, including a fiver, um, you go out of the shop and say, I'm £10 richer. Well, well, you have a choice to make. She's just given you too much change. Do you go back in and tell her, your till's going to be short, you've given me too much change. 
or an item that you're not charged for and you look at your receipt and you realize I'm not charged for this do you go back in and tell the, the, the cashier sorry you've made a mistake and I know that that happened recently to a man who was getting parts and he was only charged for the parts but wasn't charged for the labor and had to go back into the garage and, and tell and the man was so thankful and he says there's not very many honest people but you know it opened the door to witness well why am I doing this because I love and try to follow the God of truth. What about the little white lies? I'm guilty of them. I'll meet you at two o'clock, I'll say to Sammy. I'm maybe not there to have to. He's chomping at the bit. He's walking up and down. He's ready for decking the minister. Why are you late? What about blaming the traffic? Well, it's not the traffic. What about, I've got a mild headache and I'll call in sick, whether it's at school or work. I can't go to school today, mommy, because I've got a tummy ache. And 10 a.m. comes and the tummy ache's gone. And then you, you, you go out and you want to play or you want to go to the shops or something. Exaggeration, stretching the truth, making it look worse, making it look better. Lies to cover for someone else. How many secretaries have to cover, tell lies for their boss? He's not here, he doesn't want, he can't be in, he's not in the office, and he's sitting in the office. Or you're covering for someone who's got an alcohol problem. Well, what about the lies of hypocrisy? A born-again Christian. Um, the other morning I was having my quiet time and reading my Bible. And the truth is you haven't had a quiet time maybe for a month. Or you haven't lifted the Bible for ages. And you're making it sound so spiritual. You see, what, what about the silent lies? The complimentary lies? You look so lovely. But it's not really true. You're, you're giving a false impression. Polite lies. Uh, let me tell you this. A minister and his family hated fruitcake. And every week there was a wee lady in the church brought a lovely fruitcake to the manse and handed it over. And when the minister took it, he often said to the woman, well, sure, you know, Sally, you're... Fruitcake doesn't last long in our house. And the reality was they never had a bite of it. See, see, that, that's what I mean by a lie. Or, or what about those potatoes you gave me? They were really beautiful. When the truth is, when you opened the bag, they were rotten and you put them into the bin. See, see, that, that's, that, that's, that's what I mean. Polite lies. Or what about cover-up lies? Oh, don't get me started on big government this morning. Political establishments lying to cover up things. Do you know, I want to tell you that's real. And big government is as guilty as the next for cover-up lies. Whether it's to do with what's really happening in Ukraine. Or whether it's really true about what really happened with COVID-19 and the outbreak from Wuhan. And, and, and all the rest of that comes out of it. You see, deceiving us all. These are big things. These are real what about projecting COVID fear into us, making it a bigger threat than it really was? You see, we all struggle, and we've all been guilty of such little sins. Now, now let me make it clear, I'm not talking about a, a willful lifestyle choice, but I'm talking about occasional slips. And as Christians, we must be truthful, because God is a God of absolute truth. And as Christians, we must speak the truth in love, 
And as Christians, we must remember, love covers a multitude of sins. Could I just suggest, don't be brutal. You know, there's a man said to his wife one time, she was about to serve him dinner, do you like my new dress? No. Do you like my new hairstyle? No. So you know where the binner went? Into the bin. And that is a true story. I, I can take you to the man's house in cold rain. And he, he said, but I was being honest. I was being brutally honest to my wife. I didn't like the dress. I didn't like the new hairstyle. But love covers a multitude of sins. Didn't the Hebrew midwives tell lies to protect the Hebrew baby boys from Pharaoh? Didn't Rahab the harlot tell lies to protect the spies in her house? You see, in the house of God, all of us face the danger of taking each other for granted. And we have to discover that our Christian testimony and our Christian witness is so important. It's not true in school, true in the university, true in the workplace. And we safeguard our Christian witness and testimony. But when it comes to the house of God, when we're among family and friends, well, we feel we don't have to be so careful. We don't have to be so sensitive. We can lower the standard and we can behave in, in a carnal careless manner. I remember in faith mission years ago in one of the lectures, and he used to start his lecture this way with a, a little time of prayer. Let us pray. Well, we do it as well before a church service. And this is what he often prayed. Lord, help us not to presume upon our salvation. Lord, help us not to presume upon each other's sanctification. Now you think of Bible college. You think that's great. A young person's going to the Bible college. What field? Faith mission. You know, the Bible college is the easiest place to backslide and lose out with God. But wait a minute, but we're all together. We're all believers. We love Jesus Christ. We've got Christian standards. We've got the prayer meeting. We've got the Bible. The, the Bible college should be like a, a paradise in a fallen world. Prayer, the word, fellowship, truth, righteousness. But I want to tell you from experience. That it's harder to live the Christian life in a Bible college where you're among familiar friends with all the talk of God and prayer and all the rest than it would be to live it out in a workplace environment like a building site. To me, it's easier in a building site where men are cursing and swearing. Why? Because you're on your guard. You're on your toes. If I could just mention very quickly another of those 30 references that deals with something is James chapter 5. Look at verse 9. James 5. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Don't nurse grudges. If you do, you'll grieve the Holy Spirit. You'll become carnal. You'll become cold and hard-hearted. You harm yourself, but you harm others. You are familiar, of course, with the positives. John 13, 34, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Loving one another is a very positive command. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we read this. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or reeling for evil, but countrywise blessing, knowing that ye 
are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. And maybe we'll just throw in James 5 and verse 16. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Now here's, here's the quality of true Christian fellowship. We should be able to share our faults and feelings with one another. Why? Because none of us are perfect. Including the minister. Don't put the minister on a pedestal. This has nothing to do with confessing sin to a priest. This is not about ocular confession and making a payment and doing penance. This is the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. Confess your faults one to another. Confession is in the context of Christian fellowship. And as we confess our faults, we're praying one for another. Pray for me. Why? Because none of us are what we ought to be. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. None of us lives a perfect, flawless Christian life. Not one of us is holy, consistent, 24-7. We're all flawed. We're all struggle with, with certain sins, chief sins and, and minor sins. Sadly, some of us give us the impression that in the Christian life, I don't have a problem. I don't have a struggle. I've got perfect assurance. You sail through every trial and trouble that comes. I've got the perfect marriage. Some people pretend that they have perfect marriages, then the whole thing blows apart. Perfect parents. Perfect children. Perfect working relationship. You see, oftentimes, and I want to emphasize this, it all can be a veneer. It can all be so exterior. But when it comes down to the home and the guard is down, that's when we're most vulnerable. That's when we really struggle. That's when our faults and flaws are seen. So here's the way that we treat one another. It's very important. Very quickly and secondly, why true Christians must treat one another. If you look back at Colossians, it tells us the answer there. Seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. See, here's the new life in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and all things have become new, and all things are of God. Remember, we've already died to sin in Christ. Remember, as we live the Christian life, we are to be in practice. What God has made us in Christ. And therefore in Christ we're always dying unto sin and living unto righteousness. He, he tells us here, put, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. The old man is what we were by nature. The children of Adam, ruled by sin. But now we're in Christ. We have a new nature. I believe we have two natures, the old and the new. The old nature still exists. The remnants of it are still there. And as children of God, we're tempted to sin in these areas that I've mentioned. And we must recognize that. And we must recognize seeing we have put them off in Christ. Not only have we put them off, but we're to constantly put them off. Because when they manifest themselves, we are to deal with them. Because remember, we're still in the earth. We're living out the Christian life in a flesh and blood body. And there's a big difference, as I said last week, as to our true state. We're now viewed and accepted as perfect in Christ, wholly justified. The old self is dead. It's buried in Christ and with Christ. And now in principle, 
Our condition is in harmony with that state, but only in principle, not in perfection. A new life has begun in Christ. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 1 and in the verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We're all in the process of sanctification, learning to die to sin, learning to die to self, living with the view of righteousness, living with the concept of holiness. And I just want to say this this morning. Do not treat sin lightly. Remember I said if you're going to be angry, be angry at nothing but sin. You see, let, let me emphasize this. Sound doctrine produces sound living. There must be a correlation between a belief in the truth and that belief in the truth then behaves in a certain godly manner. The opposite is true. If you're in error in doctrine, then they'll lead to error in living. And a departure from the truth in relation to, say, a creed results in a departure from the truth in relation to one's conduct. Jesus said, by their fruits ye shall know them. And that's the history of the Christian church. That's the history of many individual, not only churches, but Christians. Do you know that if an individual church departs from sound doctrine and become more and more liberal, and when they're no longer under the authority of the word of God as the absolute truth, they begin to make concessions. Concessions to feminism. That's why some churches have gone about ordaining women ministers and elders. Set aside the biblical directive. That's why some churches have given to what we call wokeism. And they, they want us to look how liberal we are. Look how wonderful we are. And in the church of Scotland... You've got a sodomite minister, openly professed, ordained in Aberdeen, in Belfast Cathedral, in a church in Carrickfergus. And we're seeing it more and more. And you know, Christian denominations are closing. I was in Bangor yesterday, as I said, three churches in Bangor, three Methodist churches are, are closing. Why? Because there's a departure from sound doctrine. And once there's a departure from sound doctrine, there's a departure from sound living. The two go together. Christian belief and Christian behavior. It's so practical. It's so clear. It's so comprehensive. It's so consistent. And if you have a new heart, and you're in Christ, and you're born again of the Holy Spirit, then you've got new desires. You've got a new life, a new desire after God, a new love. You, you live to please him. You want to honor him. You're not living for self. You realize, but I've been bought with a price. I, I'm not my own. I, I'm, I'm his. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And your prayer will be, Lord, show me how to live out the Christian life. Not only in the church, but in home, in the work, in society. Lord, in all places. Lord, in all periods and stages of my life. Let me ask this this morning. Do you profess to be saved? Can you say, I am a Christian? I'm really converted? Then could I ask you this? Has there been a change in your life? You see, you should look for the changed life. Because if you've got new life in your soul, that new life will be seen. See, many live today who profess the name of Christ 
And there's no deep and real repentance. There's no hatred for sin. The Bible says, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's their own sin. But if they have no hatred for it, and they have no embracing of the biblical norms as far as believers are concerned, and there's no concern for the Lord's day, I'm not going to worship God on the Sunday. I'm going to the golf course. Or there's no concern for the Word of God on a daily basis. Or no concern for God's work. Or no concern for God's worship. Then there's a big problem. You see, religion, true religion, doesn't begin and end on the Lord's day. It can't be, oh, tomorrow is Monday and it's all different. No, the life that you live in the Lord's day in the house of God is the same life that you live in the home with your wife and family. It's the same life that you live in the workplace. See, the Lord knows your heart. And the Lord knows the many professors of religion in Northern Ireland. The Lord knows the few genuine backsliders that they are. And sadly in Northern Ireland, and I was emphasizing this yesterday, there's so much veneer, so much hypocrisy, so many have a false sense of security, so many are um, deceived. If you have new life in Christ, then you'll want to read the Bible. You'll want to be at the prayer meeting. You'll not only believe the gospel, but the gospel in your life will impact upon how you live. And every day in the word of God, your life will be challenged. It'll be counseled. Your life will be consecrated to the Lord afresh. See, that's how the Lord challenges us and, and counsels us and, and, and comforts us. He does it through the preaching of the word. And why do we receive the word? Because the principle of grace is in our heart. And in that life, we come to the Lord and say, Lord, we struggle. Lord, we fail. Lord, I repent of my sins. Lord, forgive my sin on the ground of the blood. Isn't it written, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So there's the way we treat one another. Here's why we treat one another this way. Because we're in Christ with a new life. And where does the true Christian treat one another? On this earth. You see, we're on this earth and we're in life together in the house of God, in Christ. And it's like a training ground for our life together in heaven. And because it's a training ground, we're putting off certain things and we're putting off certain things. And he begins to tell us what we're to put off. He's telling us here, what we're to put on. We're to put off anger. Are we truly anger? We have sin and heresy and false doctrine. Only sin and heresy and false doctrine. Is it a holy wrath directed at all sin, starting with our own? Have we a desire to hurt someone by our words and by our deeds? Have we a lightheartedness about God and things of God? Jokes about the Bible, about Christ? Are we guilty of evil speech one against another? Are we guilty of obscene talk? You see, 
We're being prepared for life in heaven. And therefore we're encouraged by way of commandment to put this off, this, this, this old garment, this old life off. Because he's preparing us for life in heaven. And it starts now here on earth in the church family. And that's why it's so important to be in church among God's people. That's why we're exhorted for seeking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And what takes place in church then spills over into the home life and into the workplace and then out into the world. And that's what this rest of this third chapter is all about. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, brings us right down into chapter 4. And it's all about living out the Christian life on the earth, starting in the church, the home, the workplace, and in society. That's why it's important that we discover how to treat one another. Where does it take place? It takes place in this earth. It takes place now. And it takes place because we're putting certain things off and putting certain things on. I trust and pray this morning the Lord will bless you, give you understanding in these things, and I trust that what I've said will be practical, even to help us to learn how to treat one another.